Hello from Baku, Azerbaijan. This is Otto, and thank you for listening to the Safaroto podcast. I am often asked about what my favorite country or destination was during my last six years of full-time world travel. While I've had the chance to visit wonderful landmarks, historical sites, exotic beaches, majestic mountains, and explore many places all around the world, the destinations that pop to mind first when I think about my favorite destinations tend to be the ones where I've had memorable experiences because of the people I had the chance to meet while I was there. My travels are centered around a human connection, and when my path crosses special people along the way, most of the time in their homeland, these experiences and these destinations end up being my favorite. I deeply cherish spontaneous and authentic moments of human connection with strangers, showcasing the beauty of our humanity, a connection that can be a spark and the beginning of lifelong friendships. Just this week, as an example, when I took the five-hour bus from Baku to the town of Sheki in the north of Azerbaijan, there were two strangers sitting next to me. 24 hours later, I found myself in their home, experiencing the hospitality of new, lifelong friends, sharing a home-cooked meal with them, and playing checkers with their grandmother. When I reflect back on my time in Azerbaijan, it is moments like these that I will remember years from now. In this episode, I will tell you more about this story, as well as one from last November, when I was in Tanzania, each bringing to my life new, lifelong friends. When I arrived in Azerbaijan last week, I landed in the capital city of Baku, located in the west of the Caspian Sea. I spent the first few days in the city, enjoying daily morning runs, walking around town and exploring different historic sites and neighborhoods. I also had the chance to spend time with two local friends while in Baku, Faiza and Kamala. I met Faiza last year while in Albania where she was taking a vacation at the time. We stayed in touch and agreed to meet up when I visit Baku. I met Kamala on my flight to Baku as she was sitting next to me in the plane. We talked a while and agreed to meet up the following day. I have spent hours talking with each one of them and I am very appreciative of having learned so much about the various aspects of the culture and the life in Azerbaijan through their perspective. I then left Baku to travel to the north of the country in order to visit the town of Sheki. As I was sitting in the bus, I pulled out my laptop and I was doing some audio editing for a future episode of this podcast, which I had recorded back in February in Australia with my friend Mishka. A young lady sitting across from me on the same row on the bus eventually engaged me in conversation, curious about where I was from. Her name is Amina and she was traveling to Sheki with her mother, Kamar, very nice name, for a few days, before coming back to Baku, where she's currently going to university. I have yet to complete the audio editing of that podcast episode, as I put down my laptop and I spent most of the following hours conversing with them. Upon arriving to our destination, we exchanged our contact information 
and we agreed to meet the following day. We touched base during the day and met up for dinner at a local restaurant with Amina and her 16-year-old younger brother, Mohammed. Unfortunately, their mother could not join us, but we were to meet her and their grandmother afterwards. After more conversations and the opportunity to try the local specialty called piti, a lamb and chickpea soup, we proceeded to have a walk under the rain to Amina's grandmother's house. It was an enjoyable walk, during which we managed to make a new friend, a canine friend, who walked along with us for 20 minutes as we made our way to the grandmother's house. When we arrived, I met with Amina's mom again, and I was introduced to her grandmother, Solmaz. I found out that Solmaz had just lost her husband of more than 52 years, just a month ago. His name was Nurali. I got to hear stories about him from his loved ones, who I was sharing the evening with. As an example, I learned that Muhammad had fixed the chairs of the table we were sitting on, as Nurali had taught him carpentry and how to work with wood at a young age. He sounded like a wonderful man, whose presence you could still feel in the house. We shared a cup of tea and ended up having a second dinner, as I was told I could not leave the house without trying Solmaz's delicious homemade dolmas. But my favorite moment of the evening ended up happening after dinner. As we were having some melon for dessert, Mohammed suggested playing some checkers. After a couple of games with him, I challenged his grandmother to a game. It took a bit of convincing, but eventually Solmaz was sitting across from me, and we proceeded to play a first game, which she won quite easily. It was now already past midnight, as we start playing a second game. This time, I was more focused, and my competitive spirit kicked in, and I managed to come ahead and win the game. I could clearly see Solmaz's disappointment and could sense her own competitive spirit. I proceeded to stand up and declare that this win could be a good way to mark the end of a wonderful evening and that I will go home now, only to get Solmaz to declare that I was not going anywhere until we play another game, which ultimately created a moment of laughter amongst all of us, including Solmaz herself. By the end, she did manage to win the third game, and we ended the night two against one for her. I will have to practice some more, and I'll definitely go back for a rematch. What started as a simple bus ride from the capital Baku to Sheki ended up being an opportunity to meet wonderful people. Amina, Kamar, Mohammed, and of course Solmaz, who made my visit to their town more special. I know Amina will end up listening to this episode, so I want to take a moment to say thank you, and I look forward to seeing you again soon, my friend. This story of encounters in public transportation, which end up turning strangers into new friends, Remind me of my time in Tanzania. Last October, my travels led me to East Africa. After visiting family in Morocco and hosting a group of my friends there, I took a flight with two of them from Australia, Bianca and Pavo. We first spent time together in Kenya, doing a safari in the Masai Mara National Reserve before crossing the border to Tanzania in order to accomplish our primary goal for this trip, climb the highest mountain in Africa, Mount Kilimanjaro. 
spending a week in nature, camping under the stars, catching the sunrise at summit. The experience was wonderful, especially given that I got to do the climb with two of my favorite people. Also, shout out to my Tanzanian friend, Stan, who runs a local travel agency called Habari Adventures. If you ever want to climb Kilimanjaro, he's the guy for you. So after Kilimanjaro, the three of us had different plans. Bianca was headed to South Africa to spend some time in Cape Town and work remotely from there. Pavel was headed to Zanzibar to work on his online business by the beach. I wanted to go travel solo for a bit, get off the beaten path, and experience a non-touristy version of Tanzania. And boy, was I not disappointed. After searching online for a while, I picked a small island about 20 kilometers off the coast of Tanzania, south of Dar es Salaam. From Moshi, I took a bus to the capital, Dar es Salaam, for the night, before embarking in a journey to the small village of Nyamisati, where I had read online one could catch a ferry to Mafia Island. It was highly recommended to leave as early as possible from Dar es Salaam in order to get to Nyamisati before midday, as there is typically only one ferry per day with no set schedule, and if you miss it, you had to wait until the following day. So in the morning, Thursday, November 10th, I woke up and I was ready to go by 7 in the morning. I opened the ride-sharing app Bolt to request a ride to the Mbagala Rengi tattoo station. The ride set me back 15,000 shillings, about $6, and I got dropped off right outside the station in a busy neighborhood with all kinds of street vendors, dozens of different buses of different sizes. These buses in Tanzania are called Daladala. My mission was to find the Daladala heading to Nyamisati with my 40-liter backpack on my back and my 20-liter day pack in the front. There was of course no ticket office or signage to guide my quest. It felt like an episode from The Amazing Race, trying to navigate the chaos, identify the bus with the right signage, while ignoring all the hustlers and toots lurking around the station. I concluded my search after 15 minutes, gathering information from a few different people, which led me to the conclusion that the Daladala I was actually looking for no longer made it there. Its final stop was in Mwandigi, which was about 7 kilometers further south. I agreed on a price with a friendly taxi driver on the main road and made my way to Mwandigi. Once I arrived, I found my Daladala. I grabbed a seat in the back, paid for my ticket, and waited for the minibus to fill up. Once it did, we embarked in the four-hour journey to Nyamisati. There was no AC, the weather was hot, and the bus was crowded, yet the ride was very enjoyable. I listened to music while looking outside the window at the passing landscape and people watching every time we passed a little village or made a stop along the way. I wanted to get a feel for the local culture, and I had front row seats to the Tanzanian Life reality show. We arrived in Yamisati in an unpaved square, with to the left a covered area with seats where dozens of people were gathered, most of whom had large bags of some sort next to them. To the right was a little blue hut 
where most of the people who got off the Dala Dala lined up. There was a young man in front of me wearing a yellow shirt, whom I asked if this was the correct place to get the ferry ticket, which he confirmed. I was in the right place. All the people in the waiting area were there for the same ferry, which I just bought a ticket for. An announcement will be made when it's time to leave. I walked around a bit with my bags, identifying the entrance to the port about 300 meters down the road, and I was making my way back. When the gentleman with the yellow shirt I talked to earlier asked me if I wanted to grab a drink together or eat something while we waited. His name is Hatibu. We grabbed a table at a local little restaurant operated by a very friendly and welcoming Tanzanian named Lucy. I ordered the fish soup, we shared a meal, and we chatted for a while. Hatibu is a young engineer from Mafia Island who had moved to Dar es Salaam to study, where he now worked and lived with his wife and young child. He was on his way back to the island to spend a few days with his family. It was now about 3 p.m. A couple of hours after I had arrived, and the dozens of people in the waiting area were in motion, grabbing their things and making their way towards the port. It was time to get on the ferry. After getting tickets checked at the port entry and waiting a bit more inside the port, we were instructed to proceed towards the pier for boarding. The ferry was an old one, with plenty of rest, and who has seen better days. I grabbed a seat in the main indoor seating area on the second floor, as all the other passengers got on board, and for the next 45 minutes, a group of men loaded up the front of the ferry with everything from a large truck to a variety of construction materials and boxes of various sizes. It was now about 4 p.m. and it looked like they were done with the loading process. All they had to do was close the loading ramp and we would be on our way. There was just one little problem. As they attempted to close the ramp, it got jammed and we were not going anywhere. For the following two hours, there were all kinds of attempts by numerous workers from the ferry and from the pier to address the issue, mostly relying on brute force to unjam the ramp. Every good story needs a superhero, and our superhero in this story wears a yellow shirt. My new friend, who I met a few hours earlier, did have an engineering background, and after some time in the engine room with the workers and multiple failed attempts, they managed to address the issue. It was now around sunset time, the ramp was up, and the ferry was on its way to Mafia Island. I spent most of the two-hour journey to Mafia Island conversing with Hachibu and learning about the island and his upbringing there. He also invited me to come join him in the north side of the island, near the village of Kanga, where his family lives. We exchanged contact information and agreed to meet the following day. When we arrived on the island, it was dark. We docked in Kilindoni, the main town on Mafia Island, and I took a motorcycle taxi to my accommodations just a couple of kilometers away. I had reserved a room for a couple of nights with breakfast at Mgeni Homestay for a total of $7 per night. The following morning, I went for a walk towards the center of the town, and that's where I ran into Hatibu. He shared with me that he had spent the night in Kilindoni as there were no more buses for him to take in order to complete the 37-kilometer journey to his family home in the north of the island by the time we had arrived. He asked me if I wanted to go up north with him, so I spontaneously said, 
Yes, after about an hour, the one bus in the main square gathered enough passengers to take off towards the north side of the island on a long and paved road. After about an hour and multiple stops along the way, we got off on the side of the road where we followed a little walking path with different shacks along the way and where everyone seemed to know Hatibu. After a 5 to 10 minute walk, we had arrived. This was the family home of Hatibu, surrounded with coconut trees. Outside, sitting on a bamboo sheet, was his mother. He greeted her, introduced me, and within minutes, I also met his father and his younger brother as well. Over the next hour, I just sat there and observed as the family conversed in Swahili. I was offered to eat a local specialty, some banana mixed with coconut. I also got to watch Hatibu's brother climb about 10 meters up the coconut tree, fetch a coconut and offer me some fresh coconut water to drink. I wanted to have an authentic Tanzanian experience and in less than 48 hours, here I was, sitting with the Tanzanian family in their home, far away from civilization with no phone signal, sharing a meal and learning about their culture and customs. They lived a simple life, used a squat toilet outside, cooked by making a fire using coconut shells, and ate meals sitting on the ground. I was honored to be their guest. Their hospitality and their welcoming smiles made me feel right at home. I ended up spending the night with them and left the following morning, catching a shared taxi in a vehicle designed to carry five passengers, but that had at least eight at any given time with people sitting in the trunk, facing back with their legs hanging outside. I made it back to my accommodation, rented a motorcycle for $5 a day, packed my things, and made my way back north to Hatibu's family house, which was going to be my new home for the following few days. As I reflect back on those days, and I go to the photos and videos I captured of my stay, I feel the magic of all the moments I shared with Hatibu and his family. I got to watch a football game on TV with locals, enjoying some octopus being sold by a local vendor on his bicycle, who offered what seemed like a favorite snack during halftime. I got to go out to sea right after sunrise and spend hours with fishermen as they went back to collect fish from the nets they had set up. I got to play games with the neighborhood kids, connecting back to my inner child. I also spent hours conversing and chatting with my new adoptive family in Mafia Island. After a few days, Hatibu made his way back to Dar es Salaam and I came back to Kilindoni. I cut up on messages now that I had phone signal and Wi-Fi access. I was surprised the first time I saw a foreigner again once I made it back as I had spent many days during which I was the only non-local around. I had many more enjoyable moments on the island including getting the opportunity to swim with whale sharks, which were passing by Mafia Island during that time of the year. I also bought myself a $3 pair of football cleats made of rubber, and I joined the daily sunset football game with the local fishermen. By the end, I spent a total of nine days on Mafia Island before making my way to Zanzibar to join Pavel. I had a wonderful time, and I will always remember my time spent with Hatibu and his family. Hatibu, I know you'll be listening to this, so thank you again for your hospitality. I wish the best for your family, and I look forward to welcoming you 
when you come visit me in Morocco. I believe that the true magic of travel is about the human connection we can experience all around the world with people who may be completely different from us. These two stories from my time in Azerbaijan and in Tanzania are an illustration of that magic. Next time, when you're traveling, go beyond the Instagram perfect shot next to some famous landmark and look for the magic. It is everywhere. You just have to find it. I hope you enjoy listening to these two stories as much as I enjoyed sharing them with you. If you did, please do let me know by sending me a message on Instagram at safaroto.podcast. Because if this kind of episode resonates with you, then I'll record some additional ones for you, sharing with you my time and the travel magic I experienced in places including Bangladesh, Nicaragua, Iraq, or Honduras. Until next time, take care.